before I get started, I want to thank everybody who showed up yesterday and uh, worked so hard on this uh, this facility. We had a really good really good work day. That help? Okay. Anyway, yeah, thanks. This, it's great. Everything looks awesome. You know, probably a couple times a year, I am I'm late for something because I can't find my uh, car keys. And uh, you know, I'm us- usually I'm pretty certain it's because my wife has picked them up and done something with them. But uh, <laughs> one day, uh, this is when I was at uh, seminary, Dallas Seminary. Uh, I realized my my keys weren't in my pocket. It was about halfway through the day. And I checked all my pockets. I checked my uh, computer laptop bag, and yeah, I just I couldn't find them. They they were gone. So I oh, let me just use this this other microphone. I went to each classroom that I had been in that day, went to the library because I had spent some time there and, you know, talked to the, the librarians. You know, if somebody turns them in, I'll come back and, and check. Well, anyway, I, I spent the day kind of kind of worrying about my keys because I, I just couldn't find them. And uh, at, at one point I even went to the uh, the security police to see if maybe somebody had, had turned them in. And the guy, the guy sitting there at the desk, he said... Have you checked your computer bag? And uh, yeah, I was kind of offended. Well, yes, of course I checked my computer bag. You know, that's, that's the first place I, I checked. I, I just felt kind of uh, insulted. You know, such a, such an obvious thing. But um, yeah, I was pretty frustrated. And after class, I stopped back by the library. No, they didn't have my keys, and I was going to head back over to the uh, the security shack, the guard shack, and. I thought, well, I, let me check my, my computer bag one more time. And there they were. I'd been carrying around these keys all day long, worrying about them. Now, who does that? Who, who, who carries around their keys? And, and <laughs> Who does that? I do. Okay. That's who. Anyway, uh, you know, the truth is we, we typically live this way, I think, you know, frantically, frustratingly searching for, for something we already have. And, uh, you know, the, the gospel is God's good news announcement that, that everything we need is already in Christ and we, we possess it, you know, because of Jesus' finished work. Christians have already got this uh, justification, approval, significance, uh, security, freedom, validation, love, righteousness, uh, and rescue that that we so desperately long for. And we, we look for in a thousand things infinitely smaller than Jesus. And unfortunately, we, we allow this internal voice, the one that constantly says, do this and and live to drown out that external voice that says it is finished. 
Now, something I pointed out in this this letter to uh, this letter that uh, John wrote, First John, it's it's a very challenging book. You know, John spells out what a uh, what a proper Christian life looks like, and we need to make sure that we don't fall prey to a, a moralism which says, you know, do this and do that, take take these steps to become acceptable to God, and then He'll save you, then He'll love you. No, John's giving us the evidence of the life of one who has experienced this uh, this truly life-transforming work of God in, in Jesus Christ and in the new birth of, of the Spirit. And so uh, as we continue our, our study of 1 John, we're in uh, chapter 4, 13 through 21. And as we as we continue, we remind ourselves for uh, John's purpose of writing. I think I think the first week we we skip back to the end in chapter five, where John tells us why he wrote this letter. Let me read that again in five thirteen. He says, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life." You know this this letter is about assurance, and we need to know who we are and what we have in, in Jesus Christ, you know, where, where do we get our assurance? So as we read our text, 1 John four thirteen through 21, you know, notice the language of, of assurance in this, in this passage, things like by this, we know, or so that, so that we may have confidence. Read with me. Starting verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us the spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Our, our Father, we, we thank you for the love that you've uh, just lavished on us. Thank you, Lord, for, for sending your Son, Jesus, the, the Lamb of God who, who takes away the sins of the world. And I just pray, Lord, that you uh, send your Spirit. Lord, fill us, teach us, convict us. And let us realize the, the assurance we have in, in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. So, 
You know, the, the entire book of First John, like, like the entire book, this passage is about love. It, it, it centers on, on God's love, our love for, for one another. And likewise, our, our assurance that, uh, that John talks about in this passage is, is given in terms of love. And I'd like to look at three things from, from this passage concerning love and assurance. Uh, we have assurance from, from three things. Uh, the fruit of abiding love, the confidence of mature love, and the proof of genuine love. So the assurance of the fruit of abiding love. You know, we can't, we can't discuss love really without discussing the love that uh, God has for us that God has towards us. Remember uh, last week the statement that John made, he makes again here, that God is love. You know, it's, his, it's his very nature. And love originates with him. He's the, he's the source of love. First, let's look at the, the love the Father has given us by giving himself to us, you know, becoming present with us through the Holy Spirit. In verse 13 you know, the whole, John is talking about how the Holy Spirit unites us with the Father. He says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. Now back in uh, chapter 3, verse 24, John had said, whoever keeps my commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he's given us. You know, we're, we're born of the spirit. We experience the life of God through the, the person of the Holy Spirit who, who indwells us. You know, he's, the Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit is God with us. You know, not a, not a force or, or a power, a non-personal uh, thing that, that we appropriate and, and use. The Apostle Paul tells us... Uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And as we yield more to the Spirit, the more control we, he, the more control He has over us. The more we experience His His fullness in our lives, and the more we'll be able to understand the things of God. You know, the natural man, Paul says elsewhere, doesn't understand the things of God, but we do through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And, uh, you know, we, we experience God through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's experiential. I, th- I think of that song, maybe, maybe some of you know it. I don't, I, maybe this would be a good one to sing for Easter. You know, he lives. You know, Christ Jesus lives today. He, he, he walks with me and he, he talks with me. Remember that song? And the chorus says, you ask me how I know he lives. He, he lives within my heart. You know, we... We experience God in us and with us in the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And we have assurance because of the evidence of the Holy Spirit and the change that that he's wrought in us. You know, think of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in, in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, self-control. You know, this is the fruit of, of God's abiding love and His presence in us. 
the Father sent the Son out, out of love. Uh, verse 14, and we've seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. You know, this, this is love. This is love. God manifesting his love through his Son, Jesus Christ, who, who came as a suffering servant and, and lived among us. You know, this being Palm Sunday, Jesus demonstrated that uh, that manhood coming as a suffering servant, humble on on a donkey, and later we 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 see him in his, his glory as he's resurrected. We'll we'll talk about that next next Sunday. He came to die for us to save us from our sins, and like the Apostle Paul, we. We preach Christ and, and him crucified. We preach the resurrection. You know, Jesus conquered death. We, we serve the living Christ and, and the resurrection changes everything. We acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God. It's, it's all about Jesus. You know, when, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit who was coming, in John 15, he said that the Spirit would testify of him. The Holy Spirit would, would testify of him. And our, you know, our inner conviction is, is manifested by our outward confession. You know, we, this is a confessional faith. What, what we believe and what we talk about matters. You know, we, we proclaim that Jesus is who he said he claimed to be. We know that he's the son of God. We, we know and we proclaim that, that we've experienced him as our, our savior. Um, you know, our, our, our uh, statement of faith says this about Jesus. We believe that Jesus Christ is true God and true man. Having been conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary, he died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins according to the scriptures. Further, he arose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven, where at the right hand of the majesty on high, he's now our high priest and advocate. You know, look, at, look at verse 15. Through the Son, we're, we're united by the Father. He says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and, and he in God. So it matters what we believe. We, we confess this, this Jesus. And notice... Um, Notice the word is, is. Jesus is the son of God. He is, he is alive. Uh, I I love that glorious passage in in Ephesians, uh, first chapter, which talks about the living Christ who reigns in glory. You know, the apostle Paul uh, prays that that we as believers realize that he, or he, he, that we realize what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but in the age to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
Love that that passage, you know, because because of the glorified Christ, the resurrected and the ascended Christ, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. You know, we, we, we sang that song, what love the Father had for us that we should be called the children of God. What love he has for us that he did not leave us as orphans. He didn't leave us on our own. He's with us. He'll, he'll, he said, and he makes good on this, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. In verse 16, uh, we, we see that where love is, there is God. Where love is not, uh, God is not. John says in verse 16, so we've come to know and to believe the love, of, the love that God has for us. Here he says it again, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And we... So we, we know about Jesus and his love. You know, we, we've experienced this, this great love that's been poured out on us. We know his love experientially. We believe what God's word has to say about God's love for us. And so John repeats it here. God is love. And, you know, how, how can we say that, that we abide in him who is love, whose very nature is love, and at the same time be devoid of love. John in in his gospel says, abide in me and I in you. This is what Jesus is talking. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so if if we're not bearing this fruit, if we don't bear the the fruit of love, you know, that's a pretty good indication that that we are not abiding in in him. Uh, Eugene Peterson says it this way. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, We live in God and God lives in us. This way love has the run of the house and becomes at home and mature in us. So it's it's this abiding in God, abiding in love that that leads us. Uh, In verses 17 through 19, we, we see that we have assurance by the confidence of mature love. So verse seven, 17, he says, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. You know, we, have, we have confidence in him because in the world we live the way he lived. And what does it mean to have this love perfected in us? The, the Greek verb that is translated uh, perfecting means to bring to completion, to, to bring to a goal. And so it's, from, it's, it's to go from an incomplete state of, of love, kind of a uh, love in progress, a work in progress, to something that uh, is, is complete, a state of completion. It's, it's this abiding love which comes from abiding in God and him and us. 
And remember in 1 John 2, 5, John spoke of God's love being perfected in us as we keep his commandments. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So God's love perfected in us comes from abiding in him, keeping his commandments, keeping his word, doing what he tells us to do. You know, it's, it's his work in us, not, not our own. It's God working this out in us as our, our love is, is developing and becoming more complete, maturing. And having God's love perfected in us gives us confidence for this, this coming day, this, this day of judgment. You know, Paul speaks, or excuse me, John speaks of this, this confidence four times in this letter. I'll, I'll let you find those, those references yourself. But we need to take this seriously. You know, when we stand before our judge, are we going to be ashamed or are we going to be confident? Remember my mom used to tell us when we were kids, don't do anything that you wouldn't be ashamed of if Jesus came right then as you were doing it. That always stuck with me. Don't do anything that you'd be ashamed of if you're doing it when, when Jesus returns. And Jesus is returning. You know, Jesus says, I'm, I'm coming back for a bride, a, a church that is uh, purified and, and ready to meet me. And Paul says, uh, judgment begins in the house of God. This, this, is, this day is coming, Malachi 4.1, for behold, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. So the day is coming. Are we ready to meet a uh, holy and righteous God? Now John, John says here, though, that if, if we love others, we, we have nothing to fear in the day of judgment for we have lived as Jesus lived. You know, we can have confidence on this this day of judgment because we've been redeemed by the the power of, of Jesus. Because in this world, we are to be like him. You know, we're not like the world. We're, we're different. We're not like the world without God, without hope. You know, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to, to the kingdom of light by Jesus. Verse 18 John says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, what, what is that, the fear of God? That's something I don't know that we hear a lot about in, in a lot of sermons, but it's, it's throughout the word of God, this, this idea of the fear of God. What, what does that mean? John says there, there's no fear in love, but we're also told... To, to fear God. The fear of God is, it's an awe-filled reverence towards God, the Father. You know, the, the, the fear of God is um, respecting him, obeying him, submitting to him. 
submitting to, to his discipline, worshiping him in, in great awe. That's the fear of God. You know, our, our, the, the love of our Father changes us. Abiding in him transforms us. You know, we don't, we don't have to cower, but we can confidently approach him because he's our, our loving Father. And the writer of Hebrews talks about that, being able to confidently come before him. Gerald Vaughn, commentator, said, uh, to, to grow in wisdom and love is not to lose all fear of God. It is to change our fear of God. It is to pass from the servile fear of the slave, the fear of punishment, to the loving reverence of a son. Fearing to offend his father and in the end to purely selfless fear of the lover, the fear of, the hurt, the fear of hurting the one you love. In verse 19, he talks about uh, our, our response to God's love. You know, we, we love him because he first loved us, loved us. There's a song we used to sing when we were kids about that. You know, we, we know that love begins by, by God's initiative, not, not ours. You know, how, how is it that we are able to love God? And it's because his love was manifested to us through uh, Jesus Christ. You know, because of him, we're, we're not without hope. We're not without God in our world. This is amazing, really. You know, we, we didn't just one day decide, okay, we're going to love God from now on. We're going to follow him. No, he, uh, he sought us out and he called us and he, he wooed us, drew us to himself. And so we've gone from this, this fruit of abiding love to the confidence of mature love. And now we come to the assurance given by the, uh, the proof of genuine love. This is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, we go from the seen to the unseen. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And John keeps coming back to this in this, in this letter. You know, we, we cannot rightly say that we love God if we, if we hate our brother. It's, it's just incongruous. Uh, and if we hate our brother, what is it we, we do? We, we tear him down. Instead of trying to restore him, we try to destroy him. You know, but if, if we're not capable of loving our brother, John is saying, we're not, we're not capable of loving God. You, you can't do it. If the, love is, if the love for God is truly not there, you know, the, uh, the result is a, a selfish lack of, of love for our brother. Uh, Jay Kessler said, Jesus-style love is the opposite of the world's power-based. Accomplishment equals importance viewpoint. Christian love means putting the other person first. Seeking the other person's well-being regardless of, of what it causes. Now, I read a story recently about this, uh, this idea of uh, not being able to love the father who's unseen if we can't love our brother who is, is seen. Here's a, here's a story about this guy who... Uh, took a seminary class, 
And um, one day this, this uh, student walked into the first class and there, there was a large target placed on the wall. And there were several darts resting on a nearby table. And Professor Smith told the students to draw, someone, draw a picture of someone you don't like or somebody who's, who's made you angry and, and he would allow them to throw darts at this, this person's picture. Well, this guy's friend drew a picture of a, a woman who'd stolen her boyfriend. Another friend drew a picture of his younger brother. Uh, this guy drew a picture of Professor Smith. <laughs> Putting a great deal, deal of detail in, into the drawing, you know. Quite pleased at the overall effect. But the, cl- the class lined up and began throwing darts amidst a lot of laughter. And some of the students threw with such force, they they ripped apart their targets. But this guy, looking forward to his turn, was filled with disappointment when Professor Smith asked the students to return to their seats so that he could begin his lecture. And as as this guy fumed about missing his chance to throw the darts, the professor began removing the the target from the wall. And underneath the target was a, a picture of Jesus, And a hush fell over the room as each student viewed the mangled image of their Savior. Holes and jagged marks covering his face and his eyes were virtually pierced out. And Professor Smith said only these words, Insomuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Verse 21 This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother. We might might say our ability to love is rooted, the ability to love our brother is rooted in our love for God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he said, a new commandment I give to you is I have loved you. You are to love your brother. You know, this, this isn't just some nice platitude that, that we recite. You know, this is, this is from the Lord. Our, our, our love for God must have an impact on our relationships. It must have an impact on how we treat each other. You know, it's, it's easy to say that we love God. And I don't know anybody in this room would say, no, nah, I don't love God. I think everybody here would say, of course I do. Of course I love God. But what's our natural inclination? You know, we we tend to be critical of others. We we might tend to think the worst of others without even giving them a chance. We we might side with others against our brother without even talking to him. You know, we tend to focus on our brother's faults while brushing over our own. Does this ring true? It does for me. You know, is, is, there, is there a disconnect between what we say and what we do? You know, we need, to, we need to get the log out of our own eyes before worrying about the speck in our brother's eye. Our, our, our love of God is to be evident in how we treat our, our brother. So as, as we wrap this up, you know, what is, what is our assurance? What is our assurance? It's wrapped up in love. How do we evaluate our, our walk with the Lord? You know, John would say, 
How's your love? Are you, are you bearing the, the fruit of abiding love? Does your love give you confidence in the, the presence of an almighty loving father? Are you ready for the, the return of our Lord Jesus? Does your love for God and his love for you flow out to your brother and sister in the Lord? Let's pray. Uh, our, our Father, uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, I just pray that uh, you help us to, to take these words to heart, Lord. Let your word truly affect us. Help us, Lord, to, to examine our, our own hearts. And as, as your children who, who you love, uh, reveal to us, Lord, our, our shortcomings. Um, Lord, we want to live like you. We want to be like you. We want to, as your beloved children, imitate you. And being made in your image, Lord, uh, let us reflect your nature. Lord, you are, you are love. So, Lord, let, it, let the world see Jesus in us. Let us, uh, let us be witnesses of, of your love and your compassion. In Jesus' name, amen.